welcome to the Dojo Talk Podcast. Please remove them shoes before entry. Sam Master is here, and you still have not taken off your shoes. Welcome to another edition of the Dojo Talk Podcast. It is episode number 72. It is a gloomy, rainy uh, Sunday morning on the East Coast, at least where I'm at. Uh, I'm back with my co-host, Antaku. What's going on, man? Not much. Yeah, typical typical Sunday. Um, real quick before we get started, because I just saw this. I saw it last night, but I didn't watch it until this morning. Um, in, in the spirit of celebrity matches, um, I saw something yesterday. This didn't happen in the U.S., um, but there was a number, another celebrity MMA fight that took place. Um, I don't know if you saw this. So this gentleman's name is Randy... Randy Pong, Pongalila, I don't know if I'm saying that right, um, he is from Indonesia, uh, he, I think he's like an actor, and he's in like a band, um, I think he is famous for acting on like a soap opera, or something like that, uh, he fought somebody named Fehar, or Fejar Ebel, who I think is also an Indonesian rapper, um, it's always rappers, Oh, and I mean, in the spirit of hip-hop, the rapper lost. <laughs> Not only did he lose, he got floored. Like, it, it was bad. It was bad. If, if I was to guess, I'm going to guess and say Mr. Soap Opera Guy has definitely trained before. And um, I don't know about Fajar, but... Um... <laughs> this is just like the Popek monster getting beat up by Puds. Oh man, yes. <laughs> uh, should have put Puds as an alternate in the Bellator tournament somehow. I mean, he probably has just as good a chance of winning. <laughs> but uh, shout out to uh, soap opera uh, actor Randy uh, Pongalila for uh, that was a really brutal KO actually, like stone cold, knocked out, stiff, soul left his body. Um, if you guys. Uh, it is. I think it is on YouTube. Uh, the promotion is called One Pride. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> really? Well, like, <laughs> well, like I don't know because it says One Pride and then it says Pro Never Quit. So I don't know if that's all one thing or if like Pro Never Quit is like the name of the event. But <laughs> just <laughs> just YouTube One Pride Pro Never Quit. Uh, Probably just put that in and put Celebrity Match, and uh, it'll probably take you to that YouTube page, and you can watch uh, Soap Opera soap opera Actor um, Knockout and Indonesian Rapper. So. You see, that sounds like one of those, like, YouTube, like, they get, like, those YouTube kids' videos that get generated in, like, Southeast Asia, where they just mash a bunch of stuff together in the title that they think kids will like, <laughs> and create, like, a program based on, like, that makes animations based on that. So, like, one pride. <laughs> I mean, it worked. It got him. Well, I will not reveal the sources of where I'm watching this fight. Because um, it is not on YouTube. But it made it to the front page. So, 
Shout out to one pride. <laughs> I guess I didn't watch any other fights on the card, but yeah, uh, that that was a thing that happened. Um, even though I, I did, uh, at least I'm gonna pat myself on the back. I'm normally terrible at taking notes for the show in terms of fight announcements, but I, I did a decent job, I think, this morning. Um, you know what? I, I'll just do the Bellator ones, and I'll, I'll let you handle everything else. Bellator all ones right. are, aren't all. Well, I didn't get. I didn't get a lot of the ones you had. So. No. Ah. All right. Uh. Uh, well, I guess we'll just, we'll, we'll start with the, the biggies then. Um, I guess the biggest one that happened that actually became official, uh, Brian Ortega, Frankie Edgar, UFC 222, that is now an official fight that's going down. Um, also on the same card, Chris Cyborg versus Yana Kuniskaya, and also on the same card making her, uh, UFC debut, Mackenzie Dern and Ashley Yoder. Uh, do 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 uh, continue on with, uh, oh, actually, yep, same card also, uh, John Dotson and Pedro Munoz, um, as you all know, that fight kind of fell apart in the last event, but they have it rebooked, so that'll also be on UFC 222, and hopefully we don't get another weight cut debauchery or whatever, <laughs> but, Hopefully uh, the hotel they're staying at doesn't catch on fire or whatever the hell happened that Pedro right. Munoz was complaining about. <laughs> right, the hotel has running water, you know. Good towels, all, all that, you know, good hotel stuff you need that somehow affects your weight cut, but whatever. <laughs> um, Tiago Santos versus David Branch um, will be on UFC Fight Night 128. Uh, also on that same card, Corey Anderson versus Patrick Cummins. Did those two fight already? If, 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 I want to say yes, but I don't why think do, they would rebook this rematch. Why does it feel like they fought before? They were scheduled to fight. Okay. Because when I and saw them, I was like, I, I feel like I've definitely seen this fight before. It, but it, it feels like a fight that's happened. Because at 205, I mean, no, I'm not even going to get into it. <laughs> that that fight is a thing. Uh, Yushin Okami versus Diego Lima. You'll see on Fox 29. Uh, Uriah Hall versus uh, Paulo And Aljamain Sterling versus Brett Johns. Oh, what event was that? I did not write the event down. Uh, UFC NX City. All right, so those are going down. Um, I think that. Oh, and last note. I don't know if anybody really cares, but Joshua Berkman, Alex Morono don't have what card this on. Um, I think as far as UFC fights, that's about it. Um, Hold up. Um, I uh, see if I have uh, the, the Nunes Pennington. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, so Nunes and Pennington ha- are in talks to headline UFC 224 in Brazil. I think that's in May. Um, side note, it's going to be the first major combat sports fight between two openly LGBT um, fighters. So watch the UFC find a way not to promote that. Uh... Michelle Water, did you get Michelle Watterson? Yeah, and, uh, and Courtney Casey. Yeah. All right. Um. Oh, so this one is not. This one's in discussion, but I forgot to mention before pre-show. Uh, the UFC is discussing for Chicago, CM Punk versus MMA media member Mike Jackson. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. I did see that. Uh, he's been uh, Mike Mike Jackson's been campaigning for this fight. <laughs> for like the longest time. 
for years. Yeah, literally for years. So, I mean, good good on him. Uh, you know, I, I guess per- persistence is key. <laughs> you see, if I'm Mike Jackson, I find somebody in the WWE who doesn't like CM Punk, and, and like I, I, and who has like a big following online, and I just go with that. Hey man, yes. Whatever you're doing, this is working. <laughs> he has a podcast also, actually. That's uh, it's pretty good. Um, I think that's it. Uh, just Invicta Twenty Eight. It's announced. It's headlined by uh, Janessa Moradin, who, if I remember correctly, is the woman. Um, what's his face? High level Bruce paid to have her face, his face on her trunks. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, that, like when she was supposed to make her debut, she had Hannibal versus. Uh, she was supposed to have Hannibal versus uh, Burris's face on her trunks. He was like, you know what? I like Invicta. I'm gonna sponsor one of their fighters, so I'm gonna just put my. Uh, I'm gonna just pair that have my face on her trunks. <laughs> Shout out to Hannibal Burris. <laughs> uh, she. Had, that's the one she ended up missing because of like I, I don't remember if it was weight or visa issues, but she's gonna be fighting for a strawweight title against Vienna. Uh, Jandaroba, fellow Brazilian, uh, BJJ. I want to say she's a champ. Uh, she's won championships, maybe not like a world championship, but like a state championship. She's still pretty good. Um, she's beaten the likes of Claudia Gadella and Amanda Nunes in like straight BJJ t- uh, tournaments, and you know she's really good. Um, same card. Mizuki Inoue will make her return to competition after tearing her ACL. She fights Milana Dudieva, and we're also going to be seeing the Invicta debut of Pearl Gonzalez. Uh, she's going to be fighting uh, Kaylee Robbins. And that goes down in on March 24th. Hopefully I still have Fight Pass by then. They caught me this month with the 999 because I didn't cancel it. But <laughs> I still got it. I'll, I'll definitely give that a look. Um, oh, I forgot about poor old Bellator sitting over here. Uh, All right. I didn't write when any of these fights are really happening, but uh, AJ McKee versus Justin Lawrence. That is the co-headliner for the Primus uh, Chandler 2 fight. That's on April 13th. I don't remember the number of the event, though. I don't know why I thought that was this month. All right. Uh, little uh, Baby Slice. Uh, Kimbo Slice's son will be back. Uh, actually, I did write this one down. Bellator 197. He will be fighting uh, Devon. I want to say it's the same card. Probably. I, I feel like that would make sense. Especially like to get him some some visibility. So uh, Baby Slice versus Devin Brock. Um, Kendall Grove was released from Bellator after dropping. I think he dropped a split decision to AJ Matthews. Um. And I think that's it. I don't have anything else. Yes, yeah. Oh, no. Oh, um, well, I didn't write it down. The, the Lomachenko fight. Oh, right. Vasily Lomachenko versus uh, Jorge Linares is being targeted for May 12th, according to Bob Arum. Um, that means we get the cruise, uh, the WBSS uh, Cruiserweight Final between Usyk and Bredis, Canelo, Golovkin 2, and a Lomachenko fight versus a very good opponent, Linares, all within like two weeks of each other. Lots of violence coming this summer. Well, this this spring <laughs> going into this summer. Um, I guess real quick before we get on to the fights, um, how do you feel about the Cyborg and Kuniskaya matchup? Um, 
it's amazing how Chris Cyborg has found a way to continue to fight Bantamweights, despite the fact that they made the featherweight division for her. <laughs> so, you know, there's that. But, um, like, it's fine. I mean, it's it's fine in the, ter- in, in, in the respect that they needed a fight to headline UFC 222, or otherwise it was probably going to get canceled. Because they probably didn't... They weren't going to make their money back. Um, they were going to lose... Like, even if you move it to, like, a fight night, you're not... You're going to lose money on that. Um, like... Chris Guy's not going to win. No, probably not. But maybe she goes to, like, the second or third round. Hell, she could go the distance for all I know. I don't know. I wonder why they haven't pulled the trigger on the Megan Anderson fight yet. Uh, I, th- I think they want to get Megan Anderson a fight in the U.S. Because, like, she... um, Well, perfect timing. Uh, We're seeing more and more... uh. Aussie talent find their way into the top 10 or like get some hype behind them. Uh, maybe they have like plans for her. Maybe they really want her like in a fight. Or maybe they're just angry that she pulled out of that first fight. <laughs> Who knows? I feel like it can't. As many bantamweights that are just jumping to featherweight, I feel like it's not even a stretch to just find her a bantamweight who's willing to jump up and just give her a fight. If you or- want to give her like a tune up. Before she fights Cyborg, just to like build some hype, or or you could do the you know the sensible thing and build the damn division around them. That's like, true. Like there are, you you don't have to go out and sign like twenty featherweights, but you could go out and sign like four or five. And I, I get that Bellator has like seven of the top ten featherweights in the world on on roster right now. But, like, come on. There, there's no, like, Pam Sorensen's out there. She She's doing her thing. Like, uh, what's her name? Gisette Cotton. Is she fighting at 145 or is she still, like, at 185? Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. But, uh, you're uh, right. They, should, every yeah. time I see a UFC signing, like, article, it's never, <laughs> it's, there's never any featherweights. In terms of women on there, like at all, yeah. Like th- there are people out there for these women to fight. It's just that the UFC is not budging on the fact that they take it to one woman division. And honestly, when I, I think they're just getting, I, I think they want they would prefer Anderson and Cyborg's position because Anderson's like strangely like a draw. I don't want to say a draw, but like she was vo- she was voted the most popular fighter in Invicta, like. After she won two fights, I think, or she had two fights and lost the first one to Cindy Dandois. Um, so she's oddly popular. Uh, I'm actually looking at an article now of the yeah current best featherweight. So this is on uh, what side am I on? Tapology, and yeah, let's see their top five. I'll see. Two of their top five aren't even featherweights, really. <laughs> Cyborg one, Julia Budd two, Megan Anderson three. Uh, well, I, I, didn't Holly Holmes say she was gonna stay at featherweight? Did or, she? Or like her, she? I feel like she. Oh, not maybe not stay, but like she would take another fight at featherweight. But they got her ranked at four. <laughs> Jermaine Durand to be is at five, and then right outside the top five, 
Uh, you got Charmaine Tweet and Alexis Dufresne. They should kick Jermaine all the way off his list. I mean, she said herself, she's not featherweight anymore. Yeah, we got we to gotta get her off this list. But, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I just thought that matchup was, was kind of interesting. I'm, I think I'm just more so just waiting to see when Megan Anderson finally... I, I just want to see her fight at this point. Like, <laughs> I just want to make sure she's still fighting. I just feel like I haven't heard her name in a while. And, you know, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes, though. Um, but that, that should, it should be at least still entertaining. Um, I'm pretty sure we mentioned it before. Uh, but thoughts on Ortega and Frankie? Um, I have no idea. <laughs> I'm All sick. I know is Edgar will be winning until he's not. And that's how the fight will play out. Yeah. That's not that's not a that's not a far fetched take. Um I'm sticking to my guns of what I said that Ortega will be champ by the end of this year. So I'm gonna roll I'm gonna roll with Ortega. But it is not gonna be an easy fight. <laughs> it's just not gonna be an easy outing at all. He's probably gonna spend because I forgot. No, this is not a headliner, right? Co-headliner. Oh, see. I feel like five rounds would do him more favors more so than three. Because I feel like he tends to be a bit of a slow starter. Yeah. And against Frankie, that's probably not a great idea. Because you could easily drop two rounds fairly quickly. And then find yourself in a bad spot in the third. But we'll we'll see. I'm, I'm rooting for Ortega. But that's, that's, that's going to be a real interesting fight. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all the news and, and notes, the things that have happened this week. So I guess we will just jump on uh, right into this card that went down last night. So last night, UFC 221 uh, went down in Perth, Australia, uh, headlined by uh, Luke Rockhold and Yoel Romero. Um, so quick background for the main event, uh, Yoel Romero missed weight by, what, I think three pounds? Yeah. He missed way by like two pounds, like two point seven pounds, and I'm okay. willing to get, I'm willing to give him a little pass on that because you know he got this fight on four weeks notice. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he weighed in at one eighty seven point seven. And despite so, being the most athletic man ever put on this earth, he's still forty <laughs> years old. <laughs> so stipulations were basically: if Rockhold wins, he gets the interim belt. Romero wins, he doesn't get a belt, but he he gets a win. Yeah, he gets a win, and boy, did he get one. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, the fir- oh, well, we should probably match how the fight ends. Yeah, uh, well, um, I was going to say at first, like, watching this fight was, was kind of interesting. Like, I felt like the longer this fight went on, I was trying to figure out, I was like, what's what's Rockhold's game plan going to be in this fight? Like, what's what's the end game here? Because... I mean, he. I thought he did really good. First, I thought it was good that it was kind of like a real tactical fight, like, and I, I guess that was kind of, kind of to be expected because, you know, Romero's not a guy you just want to go guns blazing against because you might get put to sleep. Well, that happened anyway, but you know, you don't want to speed up that process. And on Rockhold's end, I mean, if dude catches you with one of those body kicks, he'll probably fold. If he gets you on the ground, he'll probably submit you. So. It, it was a nice, it was a, it was good to see it like a tactical fight. I thought Luke was doing good with the jab that he was doing. He 
didn't do it enough, I thought, but <laughs> the, the times that he did it, you know, being how, like, long and rangy he is, I thought it was good. But it just seemed like he was really content with, like, I'll, I'll pop a few jabs out, um, I'll land some leg kicks. And, I mean, the leg kicks definitely did damage as evidence of pretty much after the fight was over, Romero was, like, instantly limping. Um, but I don't know, it just seemed like he was kind of content on kind of just, I'm going to stay at this this range where I can just kind of jab you. I'll work some leg kicks, try to get out of the way of your shots, and maybe just cruise my way to a decision. I, I guess. I don't I guess that's what the game plan was. But, yeah, man. R Romero, starting in that second round, had just these random violent spurts of explosion. And, like, every time he exploded, I was like, oh, it's about to be over. It's about to be over. And I mean, good on Rockhold. He survived that first explosion, even though he ate some right hands and a lot of power shots for his troubles. Um, yeah, I just I don't know. Like when I was seeing those explosions, I was like, I think Romero can he can end this at any moment. He just needs to land a a clean shot or maybe get like two, three consecutive ones in. And Rockhold was just kind of I don't know. He was kind of playing it cool. And then uh, third round comes. And my God, um, yeah, <laughs> Romero paws out with the right, blast Luke with the left. And I pointed this out uh, to my friend yesterday, like, when, when Rockhold fell, like, his hand didn't even, like, break the fall. Like, no. when he fell, his head just, like, bounced off of the canvas. And then as he's trying to, like, just sit back up, he gets blasted with another left. That, is, that, that was like Hendo Bisbing levels of goddamn. Right. <laughs> like, that punch just didn't even. I mean, and, and it's not his fault. You, you fight until the ref, you know, tells you to stop. But my God, like, you you didn't have to punch him that hard. Like, that man has a family and people that care about him. You didn't, you, <laughs> you didn't have to punch that man that hard. Like, that, my the, God. The Air Asia, um,. Pillar that he that he was up against probably has the back of uh, Rockhold's head, like, right? Just dented in it. Yeah, that was oof, oof. Um, yeah, not a not a good way to go out. Um, Romero won in, in emphatic fashion, uh, to say the least. And after he brutally KOs the man, then he runs up and kisses him on the cheek and tells him he loves him. And <laughs> Rockhold has it's, his it's, look. He, and he, my favorite part of the whole thing is him say, him saying God has a plan for everything after describing like how freaking uh, Robert Whitaker has like a flesh, not even just a flesh eating virus, like an organ eating virus in him. And he's like, it was God's plan. And I know he meant no malfeasance by it, but still, it was funny. Oh man. Romero is like every like Romero is the most Cuban man that ever lived. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! <laughs> yeah, this... oh. yeah, uh, so, uh, well, first off, I knew Romero was going to win this fight because I've been going like back and forth on it all week. Like I picked Romero. I wasn't sure on it, uh, but when he missed weight, I knew for sure that he was going to win because that's the only way justice works in MMA. Where, like, 
the guy uh, Romero who there's not one Romero fight in this in the UFC without shenanigans what whether he's grabbing inside the gloves or you know shitting himself cuz those are things that happened um hold on when did when did he drop a load what fight was that uh was that the Brunson fight but yeah he shot himself <laughs> it, it was one of his early UFC fights um but uh, uh, as soon as this fight opened up, Rockhold was not throwing any body kicks, was not trying to, like, kick at Romero's arm to try to you know, numb it up a little bit so it was a little less fast. Uh, he, he was boxing, and he was shooting out the leg kicks, and that's basically when he was going to lose. Because you're, you're not going to win a tactical battle with your own Yoel Romero because that relies too much on your reflexes and your timing and... I don't think there's anybody who has better timing in the UFC than Yoel Romero. Like the his the 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 flying knee knockouts, the big powerful counters that he used to put people away. Like the them shits are timed sublimely. Like the the dude has eyes, you know. Right. Um. And Rocco was doing nothing to try and tire him out. Like he he was just trying to out kickbox him, especially the boxing part. Where, and like you said, his jab was better than it's ever looked. Um, his boxing was better than it ever looked. It, it just still wasn't enough. Um, the sequence that put him away, he, he uh, he, um, the double jab into the uh, like he feints the jab twice. Rocco backs himself into the cage, and, and he tries to hit a check hook as he's exiting, but. He, ends up turning right into the overhand left that Romero uses to put him down. Um, It's just, he's not a good, like the boxing has always been the weakest part of his game. He is only a good striker. He's only a efficient striker at kicking range. And he wasn't doing that enough here. Like, you know, this fight reminds me of um, the Machida fight where Romero's Boxing and kick and kicking with uh, Machida, and he's kind of coming out on top, and then he just decides that the fight's over and just like <laughs> goes hard as fuck. I mean, when when you when you have the force of God behind your your punches, like you you can just kind of do that. Yeah, like, <laughs> so I want to end it. It's over. I didn't realize that uh, Romero's head coach was the Cuban national team taekwondo coach. So, that that explains a little bit. Yeah, this this feel like it's not really a ton to analyze other than that KO was just <laughs> it was just brutal, like it was just so brutal. And yeah, I, I didn't. Yeah, I, I guess it, it was just weird. Like like you said, like his jab looked really good, and but I was just like I I, just, I don't know. What's what's your end game? Like, how are you planning on finishing this fight? Or are you just content to just try to cruise to a decision? But I guess whatever game plan he had, it, it did not work. Um, and I, I guess now we do we do we have to get <laughs> Romero Whitaker too? I guess you, like that has to happen now. There's nobody, nobody else. Romero probably won't starch. I mean, know. quick side note: Robert Whitaker beat that man on one leg. Right. <laughs> like, he is really fucking good. And that was the only 
and not that I, I didn't really have a horse in this in this fight, so to speak. But I think that was the only reason I kind of, sort of, maybe wanted Rockhold to win, just so Whitaker could fight somebody that he hadn't fought already. But, yeah, like, as great as Romero looked, Whitaker beat him on one leg. Pretty easily, I would even dare to say. Like, uh, it was like... <laughs> I think it was I think it was scored like forty eight forty seven Whitaker across the board. I'd say considering he had one leg. Yeah, yeah, like. no. <laughs> like, I, I, like I really like to see what Whitaker could do with two legs. Right. So yeah, that that kind of just speaks to how good. That speaks to how good Whitaker is. That yeah, as yeah, as much of a superhero as Romero is, Whitaker managed to beat him with one leg. But hey, I'm, if they, I'm rewatching the fight in the background right now and um. I, like where are the where are the teeps? Like where is the things that's going to keep distance on Romero? He has the jab going for him, but he doesn't really have a right hand, uh, left hand. Um, and see, I was also wondering with this fight too. Was I, I don't know, just a thought. Maybe he didn't. Was he afraid to get taken down? Was that maybe why he wasn't throwing body kicks? He didn't want to get anything caught and have you know the forty-year-old superhero on top of you. I can't re- I can't remember who it was, but someone at Tumblr mentioned that it might be because um this was a southpaw versus southpaw thing, and I'm, I'm having trouble remembering when was the last time um Rockhold fought somebody who wasn't you know an orthodox fighter. Um, is Vitor left-handed? <clears throat> no, no. I'm trying like I'm trying to because. Th- he didn't have the open body kicks like he did against Weidman, where he would literally like he would just kick Weidman to like the right side of his body. Like, even when it wasn't landing uh, on the body, he was landing to the arm and just like completely tiring him out. All right. So I- I'm wondering if that's a big part of it, where like Rockhold really just didn't have um, easy access to the body, because like, I don't think Rockhold would be afraid of getting taken down. Because uh, in the process, he's probably going to be hitting, like trying to hit a scramble, and that's where he's the best. All right. But yeah. well, we'll never know. <laughs> we we will never know. Romero made sure that there there were no uh, you know, there's nothing else to question. It was that 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 was it. He is the second best fighter in this division. Yep, clearly, <laughs> and, and one of the best fighters on the planet. <laughs> Clearly, so we'll, we'll we'll see what happens with Romero. Uh, oh, not see. I guess. Uh, well, I, ho- I hope Whitaker's doing good. I haven't seen any like updates lately on how his health has been, but ho- hopefully he's he's getting better. Because I guess at this point, that's literally like the only title fight that even makes sense. Um, um, he was back in the gym last week, or yeah, like he posted like a little photo of him like hitting the pads. Yeah, that's that's good. That's progress. I mean, I imagine it was, like, a really light session. Yeah, I'm pretty pretty sure he can't even go, like, he won't be able to probably go close to 100% for a while. Yeah, his, uh, he did, his injury, if you even want to call it that, was, like, really serious. (laughs) Like, literally, like, life or death. But, um, what does Rocco do next? 205. Yeah. Like, the only tough fights, like... Uzdemir is a tough fight for him. Gus is a tough fight for him. Gus is probably like an insurmountable fight for him. Like he's not beating Gus, unless Gus is not you know healthy anymore, and all the snap is gone, um, in his punches and 
But it was just his shoulder, and like he's always, eh, whatever. But uh, like a healthy Gus is a bad matchup for him. Maybe a healthy Uzdemir is a bad matchup for him. Maybe like Jimmy Manuwa's a tough matchup for him. But, like I don't think Maz, uh, Manuwa and Uzdemir are guys he couldn't beat. All right. And the the big thing with Rockhold is, uh, b- besides like, if you've seen him like give interviews after a weight cut, they're always, they're always terrible. Like he's he sounds like he's not even there. Yeah, like, see, and I had this discussion last night with my friend too. I was like, I feel like kind of same thing you said. Like I'm not saying at 205 he'll like instantly become champ, but I don't see any reason why he can't hang with the top guys there. And him not having to make that weight cut. It, it might be a situation maybe like similar to Dos Anjos. Like he goes up to welterweight where he's not punishing his body so much to make weight. And he's just like completely rejuvenated. And maybe he takes a punch a little better. Right. Like he still could have his best days ahead of him. Um, I, I would argue the same for Wadman. That if he went to 205, I'm pretty sure he would shoot up there. Like he'd probably be able to be able to hang with those top guys, but I, I think I think both they both definitely be they both definitely be top five fighters. Like if Rocco was at two or five right now, at worst he'd be like the number three fighter in the division. All right. Not counting Jones, who I, who knows where where and when he comes back. But um, I mean, and two or five is only getting older. <laughs> so like, yeah, <laughs> now is the time to strike when all of the old men are just up there. You you can you can strike now. But um, yeah, I, I would I would like to see how how Rockhold would look at two hundred five. I, I think that would be a good look for him. And one of the um, things that um, I want to that would interest me most is he wouldn't be this ridiculously tall. I mean, he'd be the same height, obviously, but like he he'd be a little bit more. Uh, the guys would be slower, and he'd be a little bit more in line with like the physiology when it comes to wrestling, because like. Right. The, the thing that's holding him back as a... Because Luke Rockhold is not a striker. His best skill set, be, uh, well, besides kicking, I guess, is... Well, even including his kicking game, it would be his his grappling. He is a ferocious topside grappler. When he gets on top of you, he, he is ridiculously hard to get off. He has some of the most vicious ground and pound in like the sport. He's a very nasty finisher from there. And a bi- uh, the big part of it, he, he can't he he struggles getting fights to the ground. Like that's not like with his build, it's so hard to go in with these like guys who are three or four inches shorter than him and have to shoot like a double leg. All right. Like I I don't think people realize how weird it is that John Jones is a double leg guy, despite being like six six and having like seven inches of um. Uh, of like height advantage on most of his opponents, so just to see him go up into uh, two or five, where most of the guys are going to be like uh, six two, six three, and uh, he's going to be a little quicker than most. He's going to be quicker than a lot of these guys, and he's maybe that opens up the double leg game, or yeah, maybe that opens up like the double leg game for him. We'll see. We'll see. Um. Whenever that next news of his next fight comes out. Because, I mean, at this point, the only other fight I would love to see him at middleweight, I still want to see him and Jacare run their fight back. Um, but, yeah, like, other than that, I don't feel like there's nothing left nothing left, uh, nothing left, else at middleweight. Unless him and Bisbing want to close <laughs> the trilogy for 
for Bisbing's retirement fight. But yeah, man, go go up to two hundred five. Go 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 beat up on those guys. I mean, even if they want to run it back one more time, I say we'll do that at two hundred five because Bisbing's another dude who was talking about years ago, like two hundred five is imminent. I mean, it's going to make one run at the title, and if I can't get it, I'll go to two hundred five. It just ended. He just ended up winning. Well, luckily for him, at least for Rockhold, you've got options. And, uh, you know, he'll still be around for a while pretty soon. He'll, he'll always be, like, a top guy. So, we'll, we'll, we'll see what uh what, what goes on with that. But, shout-outs to Romero. Easily the most vicious KO <laughs> on this card. Um, yeah, def- definitely go check that out um, if you guys missed that. Um, on to the co-main event. Curtis Blades and Mark Hunt. Um, I had a lot. I got to give a lot of props to Curtis Blades. Uh, somebody else pointed this out on Twitter. Um, Curtis Blades has taken shots from Nganu and Mark Hunt, and he has lived to tell about both incidents. Um, albeit he lost to Nganu, but you know, just living through an Nganu fight is kind of a moral victory in and of, in and of itself. <laughs> but uh, this fight with Mark Hunt. I know a lot of people were pissed. <laughs> At least I saw people were kind of pissed at Blade's performance. Um, I'm not going to complain. He did what I think any person with a brain would have done. Um, in the first round, he uh, he felt that right hand uh, more than once. <laughs> he got, uh, I th- forgot, did Hunt slip that first punch? And then he, I think he slipped it, and then he, he threw the right or left. Uh, it, was, it was the same time counter. Yeah. The, the one he, that, that floored him, yeah. Yeah, rocked him, and he caught him with a right that stumbled him. I think he stumbled him twice, three. He rocked him a bunch of times in that first. <laughs> like, there were a lot of bomb right hands that landed. But, like, Blades has some amazing, just, like, recovery. Because he got staggered after the one blow. Like, literally, I think he was down to one knee. He managed to get back up and still had his wits about him and... It hit a nice level change when I think Hunt had went for a left and he ducked under and went for a takedown. And that was kind of the story of the rest of the fight. Like, literally, after he felt that power, he, he just <laughs> he just got the wrestling going. And I was amazed at, like, how strong Blades is. Because he wasn't, it wasn't just, like, takedowns. Like, he was lifting Mark Hunt off of the ground and slamming him. Yeah, like, <laughs> like repeatedly, like more than once, he lifted Hunt off of the ground and slammed it and just like dropped him. And yeah, he he just did what he he did enough to win the fight. Like he felt the power, he got takedowns, worked ground and pound. Um, I kind of wish he would have like worked to like pass guard more. He ended up getting full mount like right at the end of the fight, and he dropped some. But he got full mount a couple times. I think he was just worried that Hunt was going to get up because he's just a little round ball of muscle. Right. So, yeah, any way he rolls, he's bouncing. to like his, He's so freaking strong with his, like his ability to get up. It, his legs are always under him because they're so short. <laughs> but, yeah, man, he, he, he survived some, some adversity, to say the least, and... Work the takedowns, work the ground and pound, and I mean the, the fight after the first kind of went how I thought this entire fight would go, where he would just use his wrestling to just tire, tire, kind of just tire hunt out, and just kind of beat him up until he got his way to a decision. So eventually, that is what happened. He just had to um, 
and you know, survive indoor. The first round. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, real quick. Hunt, Hunt still look good, though. Uh, Hunt looks fine. He looks like Hunt. Yeah. I mean, like, Hunt got a lot of um, credit for inc- like improving his takedown defense since that McCorkle fight. But, like, going up and down the list of dudes he beat, it's Chris, uh, I, I could not even pronounce his name right. Chris T, Ben Rothwell, Chet Congo, Stefan Struve, JDS, Bigfoot, Roy Nelson, Fabrice Overdoom, Stephen Miocic, uh, oh, no, the dudes he beat, um, so no Verdum, no Miocic, but Bigfoot again, Frank Mir, and, like, Derek Lewis, like, besides, Lewis and Roy Nelson. How how many guys really have? How many of those guys actually shoot for takedowns? Like I guess Bigfoot too, but one of the Bigfoots he fought was Bigfoot after they took his TRT away. Yeah. Who Bigfoot? Literally one of the handful of fighters who probably needs TRT the most. Um. Like this just seems like. We thought Blades would be like my thought was Blades might be a little too green and he might like get sucked into a kickboxing match with him. But at no point did I think it was like a bad matchup for him. Like this was always a sneaky bad fight for uh for Hunt. Cause Bla- Blades can go fifteen minutes, he can take a shot at, as we've seen. And he can he is a damn good wrestler. Um he can get to show it against uh what's his name? Omalanchuk. But I think that was in part because they were working on, they were um, fine-tuning his uh, his striking game. And that messed with his uh, wrestling game. And he's had a couple, what, a year to work on that now? Hmm. So, you know, he, he is, he is primed and ready to go. Yeah, and um, also he has some uh, talking about guys with fantastic eyes. Like he has some really good eyes on him. Uh, he is really smart. Uh, the, the, like the, the, that first takedown he hit after he got hurt, where he ducks under Hunt's left hook and just grabs his waist and tosses him to the ground. That that is some great stuff. Yeah, see, when he landed that, I was like, he's probably gonna win this fight. Because at that point, he had taken, like, it's kind of like, it's most punishment you're going to take from Mark Hunt, aside from just being flat-out KO. And, like, if he can survive that, then he's probably okay for the rest of this fight. Yeah, um, like, and none of his, ta- like, very few of his takedowns were just, like, I'm going to muscle you around. Even when, and it drives me crazy when they call them takedowns, because they're not, they're re-end, like, they're, they're mat returns. Um, like, when Hunt was getting back up, they and he was just, kind of tossing him back down to the ground. He wasn't just muscling it. He he had proper position on his waist. He had at one point he had this one arm trapped behind his back and right. he used that to drag him back down to the ground. So that that would be that was pretty neat. Yeah, I, I still Oh, I I guess cuz I I was wondering where he goes next and I still feel like he has a bit more ways to go. Um, I would like to see him. I mean, he's already to, like, a top five guy. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, like, I would like to see him, like, start to, like, finish guys. But, I mean, I'll be at your fight in Mark Hunt. 
you know, it's, it's not, you know, the easiest outing. Um, in all fairness, he's only not finished, like, two guys in the UFC. And that's no. Mark Hunt and Omar Lunchuk. I guess it's not bad. Like, if this fight was five rounds, Hunt would have been stopped. Uh, the, like, this was not quite steep A Hunt levels, but, like, it, it was going in that direction. It wasn't going to get any easier for Hunt. Yeah, especially at the end of the third. Like, had that we, uh, had that win another round, then he would have been able to get, like, mount again. Yeah, probably, probably would have been bad. But, yeah, like you said, be, being a smart fighter at heavyweight can take you pretty far. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, it's, it's gotten him this far. Um, yeah, and with, with that wrestling, I don't, I don't know how many people are really like. There's not a lot of people that are going to be able to stop that. Especially now that I saw him lift Hunt off of the ground. I don't know a lot of guys that are going to be able to, you know. If he can lift Hunt off the ground, I'm pretty sure he can get most guys in heavyweight off the ground. Yeah. He'll probably do the same thing to him. But, um. You like the, yeah. o- the only thing is, like, you can't. I don't want to see him fight Verdum or Reem again, or or Myotrich because, and thank God that the the Cormier fight is booked because they probably would have done Blades Myotrich. Um, I, I don't want to see him fight any of those dudes because he's still not ready for them. Yeah, and that's why I'm saying like I still, I mean it's kind of not his fault. Like at heavyweight, if you, <laughs> it's it's kind of just one of those divisions like you just kind of get shot out the rankings because there's just. There's not a whole lot really going on, so you can kind of shoot up really fast if you can get any kind of momentum going. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think he's ready for, like, a Stipe or Overeem or, yeah, even a Redoom yet either. But, like, at this point, it's like, who else Who else do you give him? Like, I don't know. Do we, do we want to see Blades and Struve? Or like... <laughs> I, I'd be down for Blades, uh, the winner of Arlovsky Struve, or uh, what's the other one? Lewis... God, who's was uh, Tiber? I'd, I'd be down for because, like, we like friend, like, and Blade started his career after Engano. He, he started fighting professionally in 2014, and that's back when he was in a UFC gym. All right. Like now he's at Elevation Top Team, and he's got a really good crew of people around him, helping him get better. Uh, but for like elite title contention status, like he is not ready. Yeah, what am I seeing him and Derek Lewis? If Derek Lewis beats uh, beats Tabor, but I'm pretty sure he if if he stays on the excuse me on the path he's on now, um, he'll, he'll probably find his way into a title shot pretty quickly. Like I said, at heavyweight. In this day and age, you don't really got to do too much to shoot up. If you can get a few impressive wins in a row <laughs> and look pretty good doing it, um, you'll, you'll, you'll find your way up there. Because at this point, Steve Ace starts to everybody, and they're always going to be in need of a new face. So, uh, yeah, man. Just... Uh, uh, I'll put this up. Like, he's 5-1 and one at heavyweight. Like, at this point, like, it's not... He got a few... Like, he's on a good run. But the thing is, he's also only had 11 fights. All right. The thing is, though, they can't... I feel like it's, he's in one of those weird spots just because of his division. Like, you you want to ease him along, but then at the same time, you Stipe has just starched everybody. 
and we don't want to watch a thousand rematches. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of, it's kind of like the flyweight effect with DJ is like you just get a couple of wins, and we kind of have to give you a title shot because the champ is beating everybody already. So, but uh, we'll see. I, I think he should at least, if they're gonna give him a title shot, let let him fight at least like one more time. Yeah, and then you might. Unfortunately, just because of the way the the makeup of that division is, he might just ended up he might just end up being thrust into a title shot before he's ready, just because of how that division is. But like you kind of can't deny his run at the same time. So, um, we'll we'll, we'll see though. I, I know that wrestling's gonna he's gonna give some people some problems with with that wrestling though. Um, so shout outs to Curtis Blades. Um, still shout outs to Mark Hunt who yeah like even though he lost, I still thought he looked pretty good. Um, and it kind of sucks he lost in front of his home crowd also, but, you know, he, he landed some bombs. He had some good moments. So, uh, shout, shout outs to both of those dudes. Shout outs to Mark Hunt fighting in, like, Ryzen in 2019. <laughs> Mark Hunt, Crow Cup. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Maybe it's the fight that keeps Crow Cup around again. <laughs> That's definitely... That's gonna be their New Year's uh their New Year's card. That's what that's gonna be the fight. That's happening. I mean, I watch it. I would. I would definitely watch it. Um, <clears throat> this this next fight, uh, Ty Tuivasa and Cyril Asker. Um, I, I guess shout outs to Tuivasa because I complained about this fight being on the main card over uh Juicy Formiga and Ben Wynn, which we'll we'll get to later. Um. I, I, I'm not going to say I apologize because I still feel how I felt. <laughs> I, still, I still think Ben Wynn and, and you say should have been on the main card. But, you know, Tuivasa made a pretty quick work <laughs> of this fight. Um, so I got, I got to give him props. Landing some pretty nasty elbows and some really hard shots. He's, he's a pretty, he's a big boy. Uh, props to Asker for even, like, I thought he would have went down way earlier than he did. He managed to survive some of these barrages that got thrown his way, but eventually it was just kind of too much. Um, was it me? Did he end with the elbow and just kind of fling him to the floor? Yeah. Like, <laughs> the last, <laughs> like the KO blow. I mean, obviously it was a culmination of all the strikes he was taking, but like literally the ending sequence was like he ate an elbow and he was still like kind of standing and like, Tuivasa just kind of like pushed him to the ground, and that was it. Like the ref just saw enough. But I mean, it was it was a good stoppage, obviously, because he ate a ton of unanswered strikes before that. He was kind of just curling up. So you know, prop, props on the ref for stepping in. He didn't need any more punishment. But yeah, uh, come on, hey, ask her. Not even one takedown. Like ask her shot. Ask her got hurt, and I immediately assumed he was gonna go for a takedown because. Yeah, that's how Askers won his two fights in the UFC. Like, Dmitry Smolyakov and um, Young Jung Hu. Like, he took them down and beat them there. But no, like, he just got hit and just froze up along the fence. And just, like tu- like you said, Tuivasa, like, ridiculous arsenal and onslaught there of elbows and overhand rights and body shots and, ugh, nasty. Like, are we sure this dude isn't Mark Hunt's son? There's got to be some kind of... <laughs> they they are definitely of, like, similar elk. Like, their fighting style 
Well, maybe like they're both just like stupid strong. Yeah, there's got to be somewhere in the family tree. There's there's some intertwining going on. They they seem like they're of like that same bloodline. But that and they're just like super casual about it. Right, <laughs> like this is what I'm supposed to do. And it seems like he he really enjoys himself when he's when he's out there. So that's 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 awesome to see. Um, Can we talk about how he drank a whole beer out of some dude's busted Adidas after the so fight? That, apparently, that's a thing in Australia. So I, I saw that on Twitter. Like, there's a term for that. I don't remember what it's called though. But like, that's unless I was being trolled. I don't know. But <laughs> I, I saw somebody repost that. Like, apparently, that is the thing though. Like, that's something that like, I guess they do. Um, Australia is weird. Yeah. Probably shouldn't be drinking out of sweaty Adidas, but you know. Like you think somebody you think somebody like took that off, or like they brought it specifically for him to drink from? That's just the see. I didn't. I only saw like a gif of it because I didn't see it in like real time. So I don't know. Like, did he? I don't know if he got that from the crowd or like drinking beer out of one's own shoe is ritual sometimes in ticket parties and events in Australia, where it's referred to as a shoey. There we go. That was the term, shoey. Australian MotoGP rider Jack Miller celebrated his first Premier Class victory by drinking champagne out of his shoe. Huh. You see, I've seen it for, like... I want to say I've seen it for, like... Um... Like, at weddings. Hmm. Or, like, the groom will drink out, like... Like, his wife's... His new wife's, um... Stiletto, or whatever. Or heels. I, I, I don't know shoes. Um... But I don't think I've ever seen someone just do it out of a busty old shoe. Well, I guess after you get a win like that, you feel on top of the world. You can do whatever. Um, let's hope the shoe didn't stink too bad. <laughs> hope he brushed his teeth. Right. <laughs> Definitely need to apply the Listerine after that. Um, but yeah, man. Shout, shout out to Tui Vasa. Um What's his streak? He's on streak, right? He won his last fight. I'm pretty sure. He's eight and zero. Yeah. Or nine and zero, or something like that. You UFC heavyweights. New new faces holding it down. <laughs> so um yeah I'm I'm pretty sure he'll he'll be back soon. Like I said, anybody at heavyweight, and he's only 24, and being 24 at heavyweight is like being 21. <laughs> I don't know, but you know. He's got all the time in the world on his side. Yeah. Slow build. Just let him murder people. Right. And, yeah. We, 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 like, we, we still see. don't know if the dude can go more, like, to a second round. Because if you, anybody saw his fight with um, James McSweeney before, the la- his last one before he got signed to UFC, he looked like he was about to die. Like, he was dead tired. Like, the only reason that that fight didn't go to a second round is McSweeney got hurt and, like, he, re- he quit between rounds. Um, I think like he has like an like a knee injury or something, but um. Oh yeah, all his fights are first round finishes. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Eventually, somebody at heavyweight will will give that cardio like a real test. Um, but yeah, hopefully they they slowly bring him along. But if he if he keeps killing people like this, well, we'll we'll probably be seeing a lot more of him sometime soon. Um. So shout out to Tui Vasa for the the vicious finish and push down <laughs> KO. Um, next fight, uh, Jake Matthews and Li Jing Liang. This one hurt. 
it was a real <laughs> interesting it was an interesting fight there was some moments um I mean, good, really good performance, I thought. Really gutsy performance from Matthews. This is a real, just one of those, like, just kind of grueling, violent fights. Um, this is a fight that if this was the Jake Matthews who fought at lightweight, he would have lost, like, bad. Yeah, I was looking at his frame. I was like, how did you even make 155? Because yeah, he, significant, he was significantly, like, larger than um, Jing Liang. Yeah. I mean, and good on Matthews, man. He he managed to rock um, Jing Leon a couple times. I think he rocked him right at the end of the first. Um, did he drop him in the second or the third? I can't remember. Uh, he second, dropped him a couple he, times. He, or like one was just like that laser right hand where he literally just threw his entire body behind it, and he ended up sailing past Jing Leon while he was like throwing. So, I I don't remember if that was the second or third though. Yeah, he 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 dropped him a, a few times. I mean, a lot of this fight was basically contested on the feet. Um, them just kind of going back and forth with shots. Um, but yeah, Matthews was landing a lot of some of the harder ones that definitely rocked him. And then <laughs> that that nasty eye poke, man. That was a that was a gouge. Yeah, yeah. He that, stuck his whole hand in his eye. <laughs> that was a fatality. I guess for anybody who didn't see it. So I think this was after Matthews had rocked him. Um. He went down for the guillotine. Uh, he had it in pretty tight for a second. And uh, the leech's defense to get out of the guillotine was to <laughs> literally implant his fingers into Jake Matthews' eyes. And, like, it wasn't just, like, a poke. Like, he was digging, like, in his eyes. And, it, the, like, the ref looked at him and was like, yeah, get your hand out of his eyes. But it's like, dude, at that point, like, for as long as that went on, like, you have to stop the fight. And, like, you have to take a point away or something. I think his logic was if he gets it, like, like if, I, if I stop the fight so that he can, like, take a point away, um, yeah, like, uh, he, he, yeah, that he, makes he sense. That might guillotine. mess up his, yeah, yeah, yeah. But as soon as he got out the guillotine, he should have just stopped the fight anyway and took the point away. Yeah. Like... I, I, I'm finding it increasingly hard to hold it against fighters when they do shit like this because they don't ever get called on it, which means it's not against the rules. <laughs> like, that, that's what it just comes down to. Like, how, how am I going to be mad at Lin Jin Leon for gouging the shit out of this man's eye because it kept him in the fight? And, oh, side note, I, I think he would have got out of it even if he just bridged with, like, his forearm or something but still yeah it was it was was vicious but i mean props to jake matthews like he didn't even like budge like he got his eyes gouged out (laughs) and he he went back to his corner they cleaned his eyes up uh i think he said he he still was like his vision was kind of blurry but like he kind of just fought on like nothing happened yeah, like he he never complained about it or anything. Like he he just went on about his business. So, and came back, you know, landed more shots, did what he had to do, and just a really really gutsy win for him. And I think they said he's what he's two and zero oh, uh, at one seventy. Yeah, he beat Boyan Velikovic. Velikovic. There we go. So yeah, I would say with somebody in his frame, 
probably should just stay at 170. <laughs> I feel like that that his his frame is probably more suited for for that division. So and not. Um, they meant I I I did not know this, but I heard it this week. Um, I was listening to a show about like previews for this card. Apparently, Jake Matthews had his like hip bone shaved before his last fight. I I don't know what for, but like they they shaved off like bits of his hip. Jesus. Yeah. Which is that for? How does that work? I I have no idea. But I am I imagine that is probably why he looked not great against Boyan and why he. I'm curious if that's something that um affected him when he was at uh, lightweight. I mean, I would imagine if you get <laughs> parts of anything shaved off, like. Yeah, or, or bone like that. Yeah, that has to be some kind of like detriment. There's just no way that feels good. Yeah, but hey, it he he looked great in this fight. I'm I'm pretty sure he'll stay at uh, stay for stay at 170 after this. Um, but re- real entertaining fight. Um, hope Jing Leon isn't. Um, hope he doesn't gouge any more eyes out. Um, that was pretty nasty to watch in the replay. Like. <laughs> It literally looked like a fatality was about to happen, but yeah, that that was a real awesome, real awesome, entertaining scrap. So uh, shout out, shout out to Jake Matthews for pulling out that real gutsy W. Um, and the last fight on the main card, boy, was this finish beautiful. Um, Tyson Pedro and uh, all right, I'm gonna butcher his name. Uh, Safarov, something something along those lines. <laughs> um, I don't even remember most of the fight. I just remember the finish of Pedro yanking uh, Safarov's arm for the Kimura uh, for a brief second. Safarov was on top, but he just kind of yanked at it again and ended up reversing position. And then when he put his leg <laughs> over Safarov's head and just like he, he was closely just ripping this man's arm off. Um, it was such a beautiful finish. Such a beautiful finish. I don't have much to say about it, to be honest. Because <laughs> Sarah was not a good fighter. Like, and it's, I'm not trying to be mean about it. Like, especially after a loss, but like, he is in the he, he's big and he's tough, and that was not enough to carry him past Tyson Pedro, who has like an actual ground game and is a competent kickboxer. Nice. And, like that, nice, uh, nice uh, Kamara though. Yeah, that, that Kamara was was nasty. So um, yeah, that that was like a really awesome way to kick off the card too. But shout out to Pedro, uh, somebody else at two o five, who isn't eighty years old. Um, <laughs> well, I, I think is he alternating wins and losses? Then he he lost his last fight, right? He lost, yeah, he lost to Latifi. He lost his last fight. I think he won the two before that. Yeah, he uh he lost to Latifi, but before that he uh, TKO Paul Craig and he submitted Khalil Roundtree. Um, so we'll we'll see. He Pedro's another one of those guys at two hundred five, uh, young guy who's kind of on the come up. You know, not ready for like elite elite competition, but you know, just somebody like worth keeping an eye on to see what he you know could potentially become. But uh, beautiful Kamora finish. That 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 was really really nasty. And 
that was pretty much the main card. Uh, main card was pretty good. Like, I was actually, overall, I mean, we'll get into it later, but I enjoyed this card, like, overall. It was a lot better than what I guess I was anticipating it to be. Well, um, but the, the, the thing was never action. Like, Jingling, uh, Jingling Yang, uh, wow, I just fucked his name. Lee Jingling uh Tyson Pedro, and Tai Tuivasa uh, are always fun fighters. Um, Pedro got a soft touch. Tuivasa got a soft touch. And Matthews, I guess, was like the surprise of this because like, his last fight was him basically diving on takedowns as often as possible. And here he was just out for blood. All right. Literally. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was the, the main card, which was a, was a pretty violent main card. And uh, I guess we'll continue on to the prelims. Uh, as always, it's the part of the podcast where my memory starts getting a little sketchy. Uh, some, some of these fights I only watched once, so I don't remember them that much. Uh, Dung Hyun Kim and Damian Brown. Uh, Dung Hyun Kim won a split decision. And yeah, this is one of those fights I kind of don't remember much, other than it, I guess, being kind of like a kickboxing match. Yeah, um, I was not, uh, I, I was not paying very close attention to this fight, um, when, while it was happening, but from my, uh, from where I can remember, it was a very tentative kickboxing match and Damian Brown just didn't look comfortable either leading or like he couldn't find timing on like Maestro to counter him and Kim just ended up like just landing more as a result so probably not the like um, the firefight they were expecting when they made that for the prelims the prelim headliner I should say uh yeah, well, yeah. Shout outs to uh to Young Kim for getting that win. Uh, this next fight I did pay very close attention to. <laughs> uh, UFC debut of one Israel Adesanya uh, against Rob Wilkinson. Um, for people who didn't know, um, Israel had a lot of hype going into this fight. Um, very accomplished kickboxer, also undefeated in MMA. Uh, kind of got popular uh at least in the mma world for beating the crap out of uh, melvin gillard <laughs> which is a really uh, weird way to get popular if right you're a middleweight <laughs> right <laughs> I, I always forget that that was a middleweight fight but um yeah he, he he got a nice little highlight over melvin gillard um i mean like but like even before that he, he was a very accomplished kickboxer um he had fought in uh glory like he was a really just dynamic striker, just really just a good fighter, like overall, like a really, a really special talent. And I, I really enjoyed watching this fight. And I, I guess like what I look for in, in like new guys or prospects or whatever you, you know, you want to call them. I like seeing guys have to go through some kind of like adversity. Um, I mean, because obviously, you know, like you get some prospects, you know, who will just come in, floor everybody. And then they face that first person who offers like any kind of resistance and they might kind of just like shut down or, you, you know, it might not go too well for them. And in this fight, I, I thought it was good to see Adesanya have to fight off takedowns like Wilkinson was <laughs> doing all he could. To, and I mean, he did get him down a few times, but like Adesanya was doing pretty good of like being able to pop back up, like not being on his back for like any prolonged period amount of time. 
Um, also did good like in the clinch against the cage of like not being dragged down or if he did get dragged down, he would get back up. So I thought that was good to see because what I didn't want to see happens was, you know, we have this highly touted striker. I mean, and not to just diminish his talent, because I think he's also like a brown belt in jiu-jitsu. Is he? So it's not like, I think I, I think they mentioned that during the, the broadcast. I didn't know that. He, he's some kind of brown belt, I, I think, in jiu-jitsu. So like, it's not like he's strictly just a kickboxer and like he doesn't have any other skill sets. But I mean, obviously, striking is like his, his main thing. But point being, he, he, he managed to get through the adversity of dealing with somebody who was not going to make the fight easy for him. And eventually, once he, he got his striking going, I mean, there's not much else you can do. And what I like about him is, as opposed to a guy like, uh, say, like a Gokan Saki, who's you know, also known for kickboxing, he, he's more of like just like this violent, you know, 100%, you know, all things go when I strike, I'm, I'm shooting to kill. Israel is very like calculated, very accurate. He's not wasting a lot of punches or just winging all these crazy power shots. Like it's is really accurate. Everything's timed well. He does really good, especially like at this fight. Once like it primarily became a striking match that he eventually <laughs> just won. He he does really good at being at a good enough distance to where I can hit you. You're not gonna hit me. Or I'm just going to kind of just slightly lean out of the way so you'll miss. And then I can catch you. Um, yeah, man. It, it was just a beautiful <laughs> tactical, like, striking match of him. Eventually, once the takedowns were not a factor anymore, he just kind of just picked Rob apart. And I, I like the variety in his striking jabs, body shots, knees. Like I said, everything was just really methodical and eventually Wilkinson just <laughs> found himself in a bad spot after eating just the, the barrage of just like unanswered shots and I think was the last I think it was a knee I can't remember I, yeah I can't remember I just I remember I, I remember it being like a clean knockout I remember him just kind of wailing on him until like Wilkinson just couldn't stand up anymore yeah, he had him. Okay, yeah, I'm watching now. He had, he had him against the cage and Wilkinson is kind of just like trying to bob and weave out of shots but Israel is just doing a really good job of just picking his spot, throwing when he knows he's going to land. Yeah, he landed a knee. He threw a couple punches. He landed a right, landed another knee, <laughs> landed another right. And, yeah, Rob is just kind of, like, trying to bob and weave, and then, like, he caught him with a body shot, and he just kind of dropped, and that was it. But, um, yeah, r real just methodical, just like, picking apart of, of Rob Wilkinson. And then good mic work. In his post fight, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, people really loved that. Like, he was, what was it? He said, um, "I'm a, uh, I'm a dog. I just pissed over the yard or something like that." That and um, he was like, "I see you guys like creeping on my Instagram. Like, I know you guys are paying attention to me, but when you see me in public, you act like you don't know me. <laughs> it's like you guys know me now, so." Yeah, man. Shout out to Israel for for getting his his debut win. Um, one thing though, I, I was wondering, like watching this fight, because I think he he is a middleweight, but he came in underweight at this fight. Yeah, he came in at like one eighty two, one eighty three. So that he, he if he's gonna stick around, he might need to put on a little weight. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, against the you know 
the lower level of the division, his 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 just talent that he has will probably get him past those guys just because a lot of them just they're not going to be able to hang with him on the feet. But man, when you when you start getting to not not even just like top ten or like fight a guy I don't know like a, a Tim Boach, just one of those dudes that's just like really just strong. Yeah, <laughs> who can kind of just muscle you around. Like his his frame might become a problem because those guys are probably just gonna be so much stronger than he is. And I mean, technique can get you far, um, but some of those guys like up there, like they can take a punch, so they might be able to eat his strikes, and he might not be able to get up so easy like he could against Wilkinson. So yeah, he might want to I don't know put on some muscle, but either way, impressive debut. And uh, I enjoy what I saw, and I'm, I hope they slow track him. I don't want him to just like no wrestlers, get... like just yeah. straight up give him kickboxers, like give him really crappy middleweight kickboxers. Because even the adjustment from and he's had plenty of time for this. Cause, like this is what his eleventh, tenth fight in MMA, but yeah. still it's different. It's a it, kickboxing and MMA are different. Yeah, and obviously, but like in terms of distance and like. One of the things that worried me about Gokan Saki is, like, with kickboxing, it's very your turn, my turn. It's very, um, like, range, energy, timing, and just, like, the, the length of the round are all different. And, again, Adesanya has experience with that, but, ha- like, again, his best win before this was uh, Melvin Gillard, who... Well, his best days are like 10 years behind him. And he's also a, a lightweight. So, like, what does that really tell us? Right. And, and it is, for um for his, uh, for his, to his credit, uh, his defensive wrestling was actually on point. Like, strong wizards. Uh, at one point, he got, he, uh, Wilkinson managed to grab his leg on a kick. And Adesanya proceeded to hop across the ring and somersault out of the takedown, not like launching Wilkinson over his oh, body. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember. Yeah, the mean role. <laughs> um, just for Joey who pointed this out, but like the, the the next step of Wilkinson's game should be making dudes pay for the takedown, you know, in the style, where like they shoot a takedown, they don't get it. He proceeds to hit them with like three or four mean elbows and then break. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm looking through this division now to see who would you give him next. Um, either somebody who's debuting, or somebody coming off a loss at the. Like... I saw um on uh you know how sure dog always does the uh matches to make afterwards. Yeah. Um, they uh they suggested uh what's the guy's name uh, Alessio uh Carico. The guy who um need a uh, uh, what's his name? Bo- um, oh, yeah, Bamboche. Bamboche. Um, maybe. I don't know. Uh, I'm trying. Like, uh, I'm trying to remember. Does like the Cherico have a wrestling game? If I don't think he had it in that fight. Yeah. Uh, really, really wasn't that fight. I don't think he did anything until like that knee landed. Yeah, I feel like that fight was kind of uneventful. We didn't really see like what even his full arsenal is. Yeah, you can do that fight. You can do um, oh god, Tim Williams is in the UFC. 
Uh, you can do that fight. You can do like one of these dudes at the bottom of the division. Like, I don't know who Marcus Perez is. Gabriel Zangief Checo. Who? Who are these people? <laughs> He's, uh, he is 10-2. Has he not fought in the UFC yet? They don't have a... I don't know who this guy is. His nickname is Zangief, though. He's from Sao Paulo, Brazil. So apparently he's a wrestler, though. All right, we don't want wrestlers. So sorry, Zangief. We can't pick you. Um. Yeah, anybody at the bottom of this division, basically. Darren Stewart, if he's still around, that's a good fight. <clears throat> um. I, I can't even remember how Martin Van Vittori fights, except ugly. <laughs> Like him, I remember his fight with Amari Akhmadov, and it was fun, but it was also like just some of the sloppiest shit you'll ever see. Um, Not Andrew Sanchez, he's still around. Yeah, wrestler. No. Or, or you don't even have to match him up with somebody still in, like currently in the UFC. Go sign somebody off the regional scene. Yeah. Make him a punching bag. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, man, shout-outs to Israel. Uh, awesome debut. Um, oh, God, I just started monsooning where I'm at. I hate the rain. <laughs> but uh, that fight was awesome. Uh, next fight also ended in a, a finish. Uh, Alexander Volkanovsky and Jeremy Kennedy. Um, it's kind of funny to see, like, the height discrepancy in this fight and how it just didn't matter because <laughs> Volkanovsky just seemed so much stronger. Like... Yeah. This is really short, stout dude who just kind of just muscled Kennedy around and <laughs> took him down and just beat him up until the ref decided the fight was over. Like, Volkanovski has some of the best grounds about an MMA. Like, it's controlling, it's damaging, and it's spirit crushing. As we saw here, we're Kennedy slowly had the fight beat out of him. Um, and there wasn't much to his game. It was literally just back Kennedy up, who basically has zero striking game. And with his back to the fence, duck under, either grab the waist or grab a leg and just drag him down. Like, it's simple. It's Like, it's simple, it's clean, and he's strong as shit, so it's going to work. Right. Like, my my one thing with Volkanovski at Featherweight is he's really short. That, that's probably the only thing holding me back from being like, yo, this dude's a future title contender. But, like, I'd be down to see him fight Bermudas. I'd be down to see him fight Elkins. I'd be down. Yeah, but I say he's quietly 4-0. Uh, 4-0 in the UFC. Like, it's time for a top 15 dude. Like, Andre Feely, um... Any one of those dudes, like let's just, let's just see it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm. I'm I, I don't remember. I don't. I don't know if I've watched him fight before. I, I can't remember like how good his his striking game is, but I know just at least in terms of strength, there aren't gonna be a lot of guys who can just kind of like push him off. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's a big boy. <laughs> it's a real big boy. Uh. A little, little short, stout tank running around, ground and pounding, just beating people up. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, he, he's he's four and zero. 
uh, at featherweight. Is Jimmy Hedda still in the UFC? Is he? They have him listed. <laughs> His name is still here. I haven't seen J- Jimmy Hedda's hasn't fought in like. Let me see. I want to say he's in Bellator. Or, or am I thinking of Paul Sass? Yeah, I'm thinking of Paul Sass. Hedda's his last fight. Yeah, he hasn't fought. Oh, they have him still listed, but he hasn't fought since 2015. Hmm. I liked Hedda's too. Is he, I, I, I don't know. Is he suspended? I don't know. I have to look into that. I hate when fighters just, like, disappear, and then, like, they disappear off of social media. Right. Like, I need the where are they now. <laughs> we, <laughs> we need answers <laughs> to, the, to see where these people are. But um, I mean, he's still tweeting, but he's not tweeting anything about himself. Yeah. Yeah, maybe he's taking a long break. He'll come back. And... I see pictures of a baby. Maybe that's why. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. He's being a family man. Can't, can't be mad at that. I mean, I can. Oh. <laughs> Put that kid down. Put those gloves back He'll on. He'll be there when you get back. God. Right. <laughs> He's a baby. He's not gonna move. <laughs> uh, every time I see BJ Penn's face, I get disheartened. All right, let me get off this featherweight page. It's, it's bringing up bad memories. <laughs> but shout outs to Volkanovski. Um, definitely somebody. Uh, Somebody to keep an eye on that featherweight. Um, and rounding out uh, at least the Fox Sports prelim cards. Oh, boy. The fight I didn't want to rewatch. Um, <laughs> Juicy Formiga and uh, Ben Wynn. Uh, I know I spent some time hyping up Ben Wynn. Um, I actually had a discussion with my friend the other day. Shout out to my homie Dave Vaughn. Because um, I, I don't think he really knew like who Ben Wynn was. And I was like, yeah, man. He's a really dope uh, flyweight. Um, it's kind of like his big first, you know, like probably like his biggest fight but you know he's really nice if he can get this win it would be a good look you know he could find himself in a title shot you know probably not too far in the future and that did not happen um just a formiga who just right. all of a sudden has a fire <laughs> under his ass <laughs> he's like aldo's not getting a title fight burrell's not getting a title fight Dantes isn't getting a title fight i'm gonna give me a title fight all right uh, yeah, for Formiga's out here. Uh, he, he's putting in work. He's, he's um, finishing dudes, like right. And like this fight wasn't really close. No, like not at all. This <laughs> is a very one-sided. Like, there's no room for like, oh well, what if and this could have happened. Like, no, there was none of that. Like, um, Ben Wynn, I thought was a little. I felt like he was like too willing to engage in the clinch. And he ended up finding himself on the ground uh, more often than not. So, um, I- I'm going to just assume, because Edwin um, is like, uh, uh, let me just pull up his uh, resume real quick. Because I-, I have a working theory on why this fit, like he, f- why he looks really just not good here. Yeah, okay. So, Alp Oskolich. Ryan Benoit, Gian Herrera, Tim Elliott. What do they all have in common? Oh, uh, Tim. Oh no. Who'd you say before Tim Elliott? Uh, Gian Herrera. Oh, I was gonna. Uh, I was gonna say Scoggins, and that. Never mind. I forgot he didn't fight. Uh, no, no, not like like stylistically, they're all really aggressive. 
Like they're all come forward strikers who will uh, throw like looping, big looping punches. And um, I, I, I didn't, I don't think we realized. I, I, I didn't realize anyway before this fight that that one's never had the fight like coming forward. And that's where like all his troubles seem to start from. Like he would be the guy who had to initiate because Formiga, Formiga is the most conservative dude at. Like one twenty-five, he he will only throw strikes when necessary, um, or when he's safe. He he is the ultimate neutralizer, um, and he forced Ben Win the lead, and Ben Win had no answers for. Like he had no idea how to do it, like he he would just kind of bounce around at range, and then he would try to close distance by like jumping in, and Formiga would tag him with like a hard right hand. And, it, and then he just go back to distance and bounce around until he gets tagged again. Or taken right. down and mounted. Shout out to Formiga. I feel like his striking has gotten like a lot better since like the first few times we've seen him. Not like he's like a world beater or anything like that, but he's way better than the guy who got, you know, destroyed by Joseph Benavides. Right. <laughs> he countered really good in this fight, but yeah, like you said, the the, the him getting Ben Wynn to the ground was kind of just like the story of the fight. Um, and, and and him, his countering of Wynn in that last round, uh, with that, the spinning back forearm right. to Wynn's <laughs> face was off a, Quote was on, a counter. It, like, yeah. Wynn was jumping in and got absolutely, like, blasted by it, so. be honest, he probably could have went for a TKO. I mean, probably, but... Mm. <laughs> Dude is probably, if not number one, the number two back take dude in MMA right now. Like, it's him and maybe, like, Maya or Jacare above him. And he's yeah. finally getting those rear naked chokes, so got to cash in. Yeah, and that, that, yeah, that counter sequence was beautiful. Like, yeah, it went through a, I can't remember if it was a high, it was a high, I don't know if it was a right or a left kick. Uh, I think it was a right kick. Yeah, and like immediately, like a while before, like Wynn's feet are even getting back to the ground, he's already got the spin in motion, and then like he blasted him like right on the ear, and yeah, dropped him, took his back. He didn't really have to work hard for the choke. Like Wynn probably still wasn't even fully aware of what was even going on, and he got put to sleep. And uh, yeah. For Formiga, I, I can't even hate. I was rooting for win, but <laughs> Formiga went in there and he, he shut it down. Um, so props to him. Uh, I feel like we mention this every time we bring up Formiga's name, that he's like consistently been in like the top five and <laughs> he still hasn't fought DJ yet. Yeah, like, There's a dude but, um, who was at one point the number one flyweight on the planet. Right. Like This was what? years ago uh I, yeah around like yeah around like when that division was first about to be like a part of the ufc like he was consensus number one and then he lost to Ian McCall. yeah man. but, but he, he's got a, a two fight streak going now uh two fight streak so, two fight finish streak which is weird yep. to say because that was the knock on him Oh man, I'm looking at his record. Zach Makovsky and Scott didn't Scott Jorgensen retire, didn't he? Yes. What's Makovsky doing? I feel like he's did he Oh, Makovsky fought an ACB. Yeah, well Makovsky's yeah, he's in 
Russia losing to dudes. Didn't even know he still played. Who did he lose to? Was it Yanni Sherapatov? Yanni, yeah. Yeah, Yanni, yep. So, but, uh, shout-outs to, to Four Mega, man. That was, that was a really good performance. <laughs> really pretty dominant performance. Um, so, yeah, shout-outs to him. That was, a, that was a really great win. Um, all right, so here we, here we get to the fight pass prelims, and this is where my memory will completely fail me. Um, Ross Pearson... Uh, got a decision win over Mizuto Hirota. Um, so pretty much like a kickboxing yeah. match, from what I These remember. These were all really slow kickboxing matches, like not um, slow, slow. They, they were all always within like two. Uh, like this was always all three of these fights were fought at mid range. And spoilers: all the Japanese fighters lost. <laughs> I mean, to Hirota's credit, I think he did. He dropped Pearson in his, like the second round, I think. But um, Pearson ended up getting the W. Um, pretty good, like defense, head movement. But yeah, this is kind of like a just like a mid-range kickboxing fight. Uh, so shout out to Ross Pearson. He uh he got that W. Uh, next fight, uh, Jose Alberto Quiones and Teruto Ishihara. Um, yeah, I also don't remember this fight, but yeah, I'm pretty sure like you said, pretty much like a kickboxing match. Uh, Jose got that uh, unanimous decision. And uh, well, I don't know, did you have any thoughts? Well, uh, this was one more. No, no. Like, <laughs> Ishi- Ishihara looked better than he has up to this point. And I'm wondering if he dropped a bantamweight not because, like, he wanted a, um, a, a size advantage, but because he started to take training seriously. Um, but he, he, like, there were parts of his game, like, he was more patient. He, he went all three rounds. Like, he, he didn't look tired after the first round. So that was another thing. And he had big moments of offense, but they were just, like, too few and far between. But other than that, like, not really a whole lot to talk about. Like, I don't think Quinones is going to get, like, a top 15 fight unless it's against a guy who they think is going to just absolutely beat the crap out of him. Huh. Huh. Shasta Quinones, he got that W. And the last fight uh, was Luke Juju. Jamal. Jumao, Jumao, uh, got a decision over Daichi Abe or Abe, um, not that, actually that fight, I'm not sure if I watched that. Uh, it was an okay fight. But, like, Abe uh, beat the crap out of Jumao in the first round, Jumao comes back in the second round and is just being more creative, he's not staying in the pocket with, um, Abe, like, when Abe tries to engage, he steps out of range instead of trying to, like, move his head, um, that really threw off Abe's timing, like, uh, Abe is, like, flat-footed as hell like I, I didn't realize this before this fight but like he no matter what is hat like no matter what you do when he's you're coming forward he will plant his feet and throw like, there's no like i'm going to pivot and throw or i'm going to step back and throw or like i'm going to try and stop you like if you're coming for his waist he'll throw an uppercut at his waist <laughs> uh, guess he's just trying to do kill shots yeah um like I, I think Abe has like a, I don't I know what his ceiling is, but I think he's he's going to turn into a really good fighter if he can get like the proper coaching. Uh, but Jamo was just like, which is fun. This is funny because Abe, um, his whole career up to this point has just been beating guys with like eighteen fights on his resume on their resume. Uh, Jamo's like the first dude who didn't have eighteen fights um, on his on his record before fighting Abe. Um, 
But, like, Jamo was just, like, the more experienced dude. Like, when something didn't work in the first, he changed it up, and Abe never caught up. Oh, wait. I just remember something. Um, There was a second... In the second round, Abe did uh, land the right hand that hit, the like, with the knuckle. But the knuckle was close uh, uh, with the um the thumb. But the, it was, a th- like, the knuckle of the thumb. But Jamo and uh, Jamo said it was an eye poke or, or he hit him with a thumb. So the ref stopped the fight and gave Jamo a, co- a couple minutes to, you know, get himself together. Um, if that, if they, if that punch had been scored as a punch, like it should have been, it probably would have. Um, I mean, might have been able to stop the fight. Mm. So, just a little bit more of um, shenanigans on the ref's behalf. Nothing going wrong. <laughs> oh man, but uh, yeah, that was uh. All of UFC 221, um, pretty pretty solid card though, man. Like I like I said, I, I enjoyed this a bit more than I, I thought I would have. Um, nasty KO in the main event, uh, plenty of entertaining scraps and violence going on. A couple of good finishes. Um, like I said, not not the biggest card in terms of like names and star power, but importance. You know, I, yeah, but enough quality fights and you know that I didn't feel like I like wasted my time or anything like that. Like it it was a good watch and. Maybe it was just me, even though I like I didn't go to sleep till like midnight. I felt like this card just kind of like went by kind of fast, like at least like the main card, just kind of like flew by. Yeah. Like I, I didn't feel like the night like dragged out. So that was UFC 221, um, Romero versus Rockhold. Uh, pretty solid card. So you know, definitely go back and definitely watch the main event at least if you guys didn't catch that, and uh, definitely watch uh, the Israel Adesanya uh, fight. Also. And, uh, yeah, so that was UFC 221, um, next week, or when is, uh, when is, uh, the Madero? It's season? next, it's next, some, it's next week, um, it's next Sunday. I'm looking at the card, so, they have Cowboy and Maderos on the, co- uh, on the poster, right? And Cowboy has the American flag draped over his shirt, uh, or draped over his, um, like, you know, the shoulder. Right. Why? Medeiros is American. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know who who's ever uh and then in charge of promo. Uh, I don't know. That's uh yeah, because in Medeiros he's he's a wine, yeah. right? Yeah. I, I don't know. This this is a. Uh, <laughs> I have no defense of these things. Uh, oh yeah, I do see it. I do see it. Yeah, he's got the the flag. I don't know. Maybe that's. I don't know. That's his thing. Well, because they have the same thing. If you look at the poster, they have the same. Well, all right, it makes sense because Tabor is not from here. I mean, you could. They could at least. Right? Yeah, he's Polish. It's like, yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. <laughs> Somebody in the. Wait, do they think he's Bra- marketing? Do they think he's Brazilian? They're right. That's what I'm saying. Like some somebody in WME or Endeavor, whatever they're called, they just saw Madero's last name and just assumed he just wasn't from there. So, yeah, good, good, go, go, WME. Um, <laughs> the world's only good ally fights next week. Sage Northcutt. Hey, the savior. He uh, is he he has come to save us from ourselves. He's the he's the true hero that we we all need, fighting uh. Tibalt Galvi. 
We also have, um, let's see. We also have a woman's Bantamite fight, which is increasingly rare. And I am looking forward, actually, to that fight. Sarah Morass and uh, Lucy Pudilova. Oh, no, hold on. I lied. Um, <laughs> wrong fight. <laughs> I lied. A completely wrong fight, wrong division. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the the uh, the Jessica Aguilar, uh, Livia Renata. I, I want to see how Renata's. What? Renata uh, Souza broke her hand. Oh, my God. Oh, Hopefully they signed somebody it... and like they just had her face jag. Uh, um, yeah, I really like watching her fight too. Uh, Cur- really, uh, Curtis Melendez fighting. That is true. All right, that's 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 something to. Oh, I'm really bummed out. I did not know that fight got canceled. Yeah. But yeah, all right, Melinda and Alves. That should be good. I'll be uh looking forward to see if Melinda can add another head kick to his resume. Uh, Joby Sanchez is back. Uh. Got bounced from the UFC after going one and two. He beat Takeki, uh, Takeki Matsuda, but he, um, he got knocked out by John Herrera. Yeah, he fought Wilson. He's pretty close. I think he he knocked him down. And, his, and that was like a, his debut fight on short notice. I was really upset when they caught him, actually. Um, but he's back. He won four in a row, and now he's back. And two of them were on Dana White's Contender Series. No, Kamozi's little bro is fighting. Or big bro. I don't remember. I, just, I, I wish they kind of weren't related, so we just had two random Kamozis in MMA. <laughs> Who's Geoff Neal? I want to say he was on the Contender Series, too, and he won. Or something. Uh, oh, he was in LFA. Oh, he fought once in LFA. Yeah, he, he was on Contender Series. He won at middleweight. And now he's back at welterweight. Uh, I got James Vick, Francisco Trinaldo. No, oh, we didn't mention Derek Lewis, Marcin Tabor. Um, so that's a, you know, kind of, like, once again, another one of those cards was not, like, not, like, super huge on star power, but you got some, some young guys, um, you know, the, the whole, and I'm pretty sure this main event will be pretty violent. I'm pretty sure this main event will be Yeah. Bit. So, got, got that coming up, so, um... Yeah, like I said, a lot of a lot of fights happening um, between like now and like the end of February. I mean, we still got Stevens Emmett, um, still got oh no, Cyborg fights in March. Um, we still got the Bellator uh, heavyweight quote unquote. Oh, this this one is actually the legit heavyweight match. Um, that's still happening this month. That's next week. It's on Friday. No, it's not. It isn't. Oh, it's not. There we go. Uh, Heather Hardy versus Anna Julitson and Patricky uh, Patricky Pitbull versus Derek Campos too is also on that card. Nope, and McGeary. Oh, and Taiwan Claxton. So if he's the dude with the um, spinning back, fly, back spinning. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I was trying to remember. Uh, this flying knee or something. Uh, yeah, he was on the the prelims, right? Uh, yeah. I think, yeah, 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 okay, yeah, 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 because he, I think he kicked off, the, yeah, that was a nasty, that was a nasty. Going to this, he's opening the main card this time, so, tune in, y'all. Um, also, Hello, Gory who? 50. Oh, who's headline? Uh, I want, uh, headline for what I'm assuming is the ESPN card will be uh, Harutz Gregorian and Merthal Groenhart fighting for the welterweight title, and on the Super Fight Series that will air on UFC Fight Pass, uh, Sidhachai will 
defend his lightweight title against Christian Baia, who is fighting out of Ghana. Wait, what? No. That's Angola. All right, I screwed up. Those are two different people. Shadow Chop fights are always worth a watch if you guys um, really just watch glory cards in general. They're normally always like pretty yeah. entertaining. I've never never been disappointed. In and we also card. got some heavyweight, um, a heavyweight tournament going on, so if that's your thing. Uh, and then, well, if anybody's interested, boxing, biggest fight of, uh, one of the biggest fights of the year so far, I want to say, um, George Groves will be fighting Chris Eubanks Jr. in the semifinal for the, uh, World Boxing Super Series Super Middleweight, uh, tournament, and it'll be for the WBA and the IBO world titles, I think. That's going to be fun. I expect shenanigans. And for those who don't know, uh, Groves is the dude who fought Carl Frosch in front of like 80,000 people at Wembley Stadium. Also got some EBI. Uh, I think Polaris is next week. Speaking of, didn't Jake Shields just have a grappling uh, match? He's about, he, uh, he's about to. Okay, okay I thought I wouldn't have oh, wait, 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 it might have already happened. You might be right. Uh... Yeah, it might have happened. Oh, no, wait, it's next week. It's next week. Okay. February 17th, UFC Fight Pass. Uh, oh, and the homie, Jose Shorty Torres. He's going to be fighting on Friday. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Keep that interview. Hint to the hint. Exact, hint exactly. <laughs> There's a lot of good shit next week. Um, yeah. And hopefully after he, you know, I'm assuming, you know, he gets that W. Uh, UFC call should hopefully be in his very near. I mean, they're going to Chicago. Why the Why the right. hell not? You know. Right, like you, the the stars are just aligning too per aligning too perfectly for you to not, you know, sign this guy and have him on the card. I mean, so there's a lot of crap going on next week. God, like good stuff. Um, I should say, Dan Garcia is fighting, and the the dude, uh, David Benavides, the man with the twenty punch knockout. <laughs> uh, we'll be rematching against Ronald Gavril on the undercard for uh, Garcia Rios on Showtime. So, I might have to watch that. Uh, oh, Nashan Burrell versus Albert Tumanov at ACB 80. That's a fun. Good to see Burrell still around. I'm glad he's yeah, still do, around. Doobie ma- still makes dates. So, uh, Ray Beltran versus Palos uh, Moses on. ESPN. God, top rank is really spreading themselves thin. Uh, what else? What else? What else? Uh, if you're a fan of uh, Olympic boxing, Joe, uh, Joe Joyce, the 2016 silver medalist, will be having his second pro fight next week on Friday. Your call in London. I can't remember who he's fighting. And. The best fight promotion, Alaska Fighting Championships, is a card on Wednesday. Hey. <laughs> uh, Tyson Duckworth, Patrick White, Maurice Mitchell, and Jordan Mackin. They're on fight pass. Yep. Right? Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. If I'm if I'm around, not at work, well, uh, we'll give that card a spin <laughs> to see, see what happens. Um, but yeah, I guess that's uh 
pretty much it for today's show. So, um, uh, real quick before we go into parting shots and shoutouts, as always, you guys can listen to the podcast on SoundCloud, YouTube, Google Play. If you're on iTunes, please rate, subscribe, leave a review. Emails can be sent to dojo talk podcast at yahoo.com. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, I am at Serial Sensei. And you can hit up the Dojo Talk Podcast Facebook page also. Um, so I guess time for parting shots and shout outs. Um, I need to start writing these down because I felt like I wanted to throw a shot at somebody. And I cannot remember who. So instead of throwing a shot, uh, I'll just give a few shout outs. Uh, shout outs to <laughs> one Roy Jones Jr. <laughs> who fought. Welcome uh, to AP Bio. Oh god, this ad is killing me. Sorry. Um, Roy Jones Jr., who fought, uh, I, I guess, his alleged final boxing match. I think that was on Saturday. Uh, Thursday. Um, Thursday. Uh, uh, who's the gentleman he fought? Uh, he fought uh, Sigmund Midway, uh, I guess. Uh, he won by unanimous decision. And allegedly, after the fight, he called out Anderson Silva. So I, I guess I don't know—is this his last fight, or are they still gonna try to make that fight happen? <laughs> but you know, shout out to Roy Jones. And I mean, you know, we we laugh, but I mean, like for people if you didn't watch boxing, like Roy Jones Jr. in his prime, that dude was like, this man was like nearly unstoppable, like. He was like one of the most talented fighters I'd like ever seen. Like this this dude was a absolute beast. Um him fighting now at like close to like fifty years old, I don't really know how I feel about that, but um yeah, man, Roy Jones Jr. will will that that dude was in his prime years, man. He he was something to watch. Um so shout outs to him for getting his quote unquote uh final win. <laughs> um uh, also, shout-outs uh, in the, the spirit of Black History Month. Um, honor somebody who, you know, most of the time when people do Black History, they always talk about people who have, you know, since, you know, passed. And nothing wrong with that. Um, but I will give a shout-out to somebody who's making history, and they are young, alive, and well, and, you know, probably have many great years ahead of them. Um, shout-outs to uh, Jordan Greenway who is the first African-American uh, in Olympic history to be on the U.S. hockey team. So uh, I think he's like 20 years old. Um, yeah. Dude is like, what is he? Oh, I can't find the article. Dude's like six foot three or six five, like 220, <laughs> something like that. Dude's like built like a linebacker. Um, yeah, he's six foot five. He's actually still, I think, technically in college. Uh, as he's drafted by the Minnesota Wild, but he will be um, he will be on the uh, U.S. Olympic team in hockey. So shouts to him for making history. That's that's pretty awesome. Um, and uh, uh, last shout out. I-, I meant to mention this like eighty podcasts ago. So I'm, I'm I'm extra late, and I know nobody in the world probably watches tennis. But uh, I mean, somebody asked, so they make a shit ton of money. <laughs> Right, <laughs> maybe not, maybe none of our listeners watch tennis, but uh, I don't, I don't watch it like all the time. But like certain people, I'll, I'll I'll go out of my way to watch if I happen to see them playing. But um, like Roger Federer won like his twentieth major uh thing. Now it's been at least like a couple weeks, maybe even like a month ago. Um, so I just wanted to say like he, 
I feel like there's like this list of athletes who, you know, you know, like your your Jordans, your uh, well, I don't know, your, your Brady's. Even though I would hate to mention his name, like your Jordans, your Brady's, like your Ali's, like those those like top of the top of the top like guys. And I, I think Federer has earned a seat at that table, like to be considered as like just one of like the best like athletes of like all time in like any sport to to win that many majors against you know the level of competition that he's faced for for this long I, I think is is something not to be looked over so uh really late shout outs to him but uh he's always somebody who when if, if tennis is on and he's playing I, i'll definitely watch um so yeah shout, shout outs to, to roger federer for just being this dominant for for this long um and um, I mean, shout out to and, and last shout out. It's Black Panther week. Um, I already got tickets to go see this movie twice. Um, I'm going on Thursday. I'm going to get on see, Saturday. That's dangerous. That's dangerous to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm fully committed. Um, I've I've been waiting for this for a long time. I never thought Black Panther would get a movie. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 I'm, I'm in there. I'm in there. Um. Shout out to everybody who thought the Black Panther movie was literally about the Black Panthers. <laughs> Dude, I, I'm just waiting. For, I'm just like, if I was the president of Disney, that's how I'd get myself fired. <laughs> like, you show up for this Black Panther movie, all you get is three hours of Huey, uh, Huey Newton, Bobby Seale. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Uh, shout out to all the outrage. So many people. They they did they, they didn't know. You guys the world you guys have to do better. We have to do better. But um yeah. So those are my <laughs> those are my, my shout outs. Um So shout out to Kayla Miracle of uh let me get her team right. Uh the Lady Tigers, which is I don't know what school that is, but um the women's na- uh, women uh, women's wrestling um, national championships were this week for our schools, um, and uh, Kayla Miracle at 136 pounds won her fourth straight national title. Um, I, I'm not sure if that's a record or anything. I, I, I honestly, God, don't know a whole bunch about the WCWA, but um, it's, uh, winning four times or anything's a huge accomplishment. Um, she's probably going to make the Olympic team. Um, well, I don't know, because that's like the weight class that, uh, what's her name? Helen Morales wrestles around, um, but point being, she's very good. And if I'm the UFC, I'm putting a six-figure contract in front of her being like, if you want to do MMA, come inside with us. Because that, she's ridiculously talented. Um, who else? Who else? Um, wait, I had another shout-out here. Shout-outs to, uh, Leslie Smith and, uh, Cajun Johnson, I guess, for just pointing out how little fighters have control over their lives. Leslie Smith started up another, uh, website trying to unionize UFC fighters, uh, projectspearhead.com. And Cajun Johnson was brave enough to point out that the fact that the UFC doesn't pay anybody for their video games is kind of just obscenely disturbing. Wow. 
Also, shouts to um, Charles Preston. Uh, let me just read off his thing. Activist, organizer, journalist, former City Bureau fellow. Um, in the spirit of Black History Month, the dude has uh, compiled a, uh, a library of sorts um, for the writing, speeches, films of uh, f- uh, famous um, African Americans over the years, uh, like Ida B. Wells, Malcolm X, uh, well, I was about to say Nelson Mandela, but he's not black, uh, African American, I should say. Um, Harriet Tubman, uh, France Fanon, Angela Davis, Nat Turner, like just uh, if you want to learn about, if th- this is the month to do it, obviously, if you want to learn about Af- uh, African American history, uh, you should check it out. It's, uh, just look up his name, Charles Hess, uh, press it on Twitter. It should be like the first result. Just a library of free materials, especially useful if you're in college. So, check it out. There we go. Spread the the knowledge, especially to you people who didn't know what Black Panther was. So, um, you guys should definitely, <laughs> you guys should be the first people clicking on those. Did links. You, Did you see that the uh, Black Panther soundtrack came out, and then there was a group called Black Panther who also released an album. To cap to capitalize <laughs> on the the people who couldn't be bothered to you know read the track list. Oh no, <laughs> that's so shady. This is the era we live in. This is the Spotify era. Oh man, I got to finish listening to that album. Actually, I I got like halfway through it while I was at work, but I didn't. Uh, I didn't get a chance to finish it. Um, oh, look, you guys stealing clicks and. <laughs> I wonder if their album is oh, even. Oh, like you know who I gotta give a shout out to? Quincy Jones. Oh, I have not read yeah. it yet. I have not it's read amazing. it yet. Amazing. I, I got it. I got. I got it. Yeah. Can you send that to me? I'll just keep it on my screen so I can <laughs> read it. Oh man, yeah, Quincy. I, I mean, I, I've seen excerpts and. Uh, That's yeah, amazing. Quincy was a. Uh... <laughs> if you guys want some. Uh... Some TMZ of things that happened back in like the eighties and like the seventies. Did you uh, see Richard Pryor's wife's um thing? No, I heard about it. So she released a statement about um. Okay, so for uh, those who don't know, Quincy Jones had an interview with like Vulture, where he just like in typical eighty-something-year-old fashion, Quincy Jones has no fucks to give anymore. So he's just out there, just like. He, he is just out there throwing everything out there. Um, he was talking about how Marlon Bra- he used to party with Marlon Brando, and how Marlon Brando fucked Richard Pryor and Marvin Gaye, <laughs> and like a uh, guy I can't remember who else he was. Um, uh, it was Richard Pryor, Marvin Gaye, and uh, James Baldwin, which. That, that last one isn't really a surprise, but, uh, yeah, and then, uh, Richard Pryor's wife gave a, um, uh, what was it, like, the greatest freaking, um, no, uh, confirmation on it, like, she confirmed, she basically confirmed it was true, and, um, wait, okay, so she gave her a little statement about it, and it was the seventies. Drugs were still good, especially uh, was this qu- uh, quaaludes. If you did enough cocaine, you'd sleep with radiators and flowers in the morning. 
<laughs> yeah, that's pretty much a roundabout way of saying yeah, he did. Uh, no, no, she she confirmed. <laughs> like she was just saying yes, yeah, tramp. That happened. Um. Oh God. <laughs> then what he had to say about the Beatles? Oh man, <laughs> he said the Beatles were the worst musicians ever. Oh, how man. They, they, what was the song that they, he couldn't get right? A fix a song. Um, uh, load YouTube. Love is many uh, splendored thing. Sentimental journey. Ringo Starr. Uh, Ringo Starr. Or was it Ringo Starr? Or was it um? Oh, it was Ringo. And they, Ringo was like playing um, like the thing, and he, he couldn't get it right. And they had been in the studio for like four, like three hours, just trying to get um, Ringo to play this like four bar thing he was trying like trying to do for the song. And then they hired they got a jazz dude to come in who uh, Quincy was. Uh, with, and, <laughs> I'm reading the quote, and he played it in like fifteen <laughs> minutes. <laughs> and then Ringo was like, "Oh, that isn't bad." Because Ringo had left the studio. And he's like, motherfucker, because that's not you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I definitely got <laughs> to read this. Uh, yeah, Qu- Quincy is dropping some... Uh, he- he's, trying- <laughs> he's dropping all kinds of gems in this interview. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> what a time for this to come out in Black History Month. <laughs> Oh man, but um, <laughs> yeah, man. Shout out, shout out to Quincy Jones. <laughs> but um, that's that's pretty much it for uh, today's episode. Uh, this has been another edition of the Dojo Talk podcast. Um, as always, anytime people are being punched and or kicked in the face, we will be there to talk about it, and hopefully, we catch you guys soon. Peace.